The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. You're listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM, where Resonance is self-proclaimed premier chat show. Um, from the sacred to the mundane, we're here every Wednesday at 10.30pm. Um, Resonance have a fundraising drive going on at the moment. I think, Catherine, you've got some information about that. It's Resonance FM's annual fundraiser that time of year again. This year, it's from February the 13th to the 21st. Nine days of live events, spectacular online auction, as well as a whole host of special broadcasts. So there's going to be loads coming on and we would love it if people could support us, including our own live event. Yes, to play our part in the fundraising effort, we're putting on another interactive recorded show in the pub. So please join us on the 18th of February at the King's Arms on Newcomen Street, just off Borough High Street, at around 7pm for lots of laughs, chats, possibly cake if we're allowed, and fun. Um, one of the main themes for the episode is going to be dating. So if you can't prepare with some dating disasters to share, that'd be brilliant. No pressure, but the more our audience humiliate themselves, the better. Today, I'm joined by... Catherine. Leo. And special guest, Jacob Joyce. Thank you for joining us in the studio. Hi, good to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I think we're going to start off by playing a song by your band Screaming Toe now. Sure. And look at you, bigger trying to make a joke, bigger trying to provoke, trying to sound smart. But your bigotry's not an art, it's not complex. When you talk about sex, do you make me feel so vexed? And when you talk about race, you won't even look us in the face. So I'll strike you down. Black mate Nate from the estate. He thinks he doesn't have white privilege. And Nate says nigger, and Nate says chink, but he don't think that's racist. He's like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. My best friend is gay, and my girlfriend's mixed race, so it's totally okay. Uh, no, you're the bigots, and we want to make you fidget and turn around to hear the sound of your own voice. And that was Bigots by Screaming to a Nail. Um, I first met Jacob through my housemate Alice. She drums in a band with you. Mm-hmm, that's accurate. right. Um, so my introduction to you was through your band Screaming to a Nail, which, is this accurate? Is it a queer feminist punk band? Yeah, I guess. Queer feminist decolonial punk band. Um, who I actually first saw live doing an acoustic set, which now that we're talking about it, it seems really weird having mm. seen you <laughs> not do an acoustic set every other time. But um, we'll talk about them a bit later. First of all, like, what do you do? Well, I guess the main thing I do at the moment is illustration and poetry uh, and performance art, and I kind of combine all those things together in self-published publications that kind of deal with things like everyday racisms, everyday microaggressions, um, things like colonial mentalities, uh, queer... Queer concepts, I don't know, queer concepts, that sounds weird. I guess cutie pot, queer trans, intersex people of colour, um, as I identify as a, a non-binary uh, queer person of colour who's navigating the art world, my publications kind of use comedy and poetry and illustration to kind of, uh, to kind of show that process. 
Um, can you tell us how you got involved in activism then? Did you have like a kind of epiphany moment where you thought like I need to make a change about something or is there a kind of experience or an activist maybe who inspired you particularly? How did you get involved in activism? Uh, well, there's something called the House of Bragg, the London Queer Social Centre, um, which is a squatted social centre that was running in London for about four years. So it was like uh, every every Pride, we would squat a building um, and then set up lots of different activities for LGBT people that weren't to do with, you know, corporate logos. You know, Pride in London, as it's now called, is very much um, affiliated with the military. It's affiliated with the police. It's the, they're all marching there. There's Barclays. There's all these different people marching. And a lot of people feel that that's not really relevant to any kind of struggle after all. Um, gay pride in London was a, a protest originally and there are many things that we can still protest about so uh, I was really happy to become part of this organisation that had the House of Bragg that started out in uh, Braganza Street in Kennington and has had multiple reincarnations and that was in 2010 I mean I've always done little activisty things in terms of um, volunteering and, and, and going to protests and stuff but that was the kind of first big thing that I feel that made a difference and had people coming from other parts of Europe to join and anti-corporate pride parades and queer self-defense workshops, queer literary salons, um, so many fantastic events and, and things which were born in the House of Bragg and the London Queer Social Centre that are still um, becoming incarnated in, 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 in different ways today. Did you kind of come from a political or activist household? Is it something you've I kind think, of taken on? Well, I kind of think like the same with my artwork. I kind of feel that um, it's not necessarily that I had a choice. I don't think that my my uh, my mum kind of ever said, we're going to a protest, you know, but my mum is a working-class migrant from Ireland who is a nurse, um, was a district nurse, and very much, you know, because of her line of work, she's just a very caring person who was, was, was taught me to, to give a hoot um, about <laughs> what was going on around me um, and my artwork as well. I think that for a lot of white, uh, straight artists, um, you can kind of choose not to be political in your work. You know, you can choose to just make work about lots of things. And I'm, I'm, of course, lots of people of colour do choose to do that as well. But I think when you are constantly banging your head against um, microaggressions, when people are asking you to play specific roles, when people are asking you, what does your work mean as, as, a, as a female artist, someone might ask you, when it's not about that? Or, what you know, people are projecting all these kind of things. You're kind of put into this position where you either respond or you, you fold yourself away. And I think... Um, with activism, it's the same. It's kind of my mum has a disability, um, and she she lost her her voice box uh, because of throat cancer, which was very much linked to patriarchy. Because she went and told her doctor that she couldn't speak, that she couldn't swallow. Sorry, that she was having such pain in her throat. She'd been she'd had breast cancer in the past. It was a really like obvious case of like this this is something serious. But they didn't listen to her for seven months until she finally had enough of being fobbed off by her doctor and told it was probably something psychological and went to see another doctor where she was diagnosed with late stages of throat cancer and lost her voice. And that's something that's been happening to women for such a long time, back to the days of female hysteria. You know, this yeah. idea that women just go mad and, you know, just become hypochondriac. It's their ovaries. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Um, but if you're a woman, your voice is deemed to be less important. Seeing that process, seeing my mum go through this process and also all these things, it kind of, I guess made me really angry and it's not like I chose to be angry and chose to and the same with being a, a LGBT person who was coming up against a lot of microaggressions and seeing spaces for black and Asian and other ethnic minority LGBTQI people being shut down everywhere youth services being shut down it wasn't a choice it was just I'm angry about this I can't stop being angry about this so where can I make use of this anger 
And what led you to kind of use art as the medium? Um, I think I've always tried to understand the world through art. I've always drawn pictures of people and um, tried to make clubs. Um, I remember when I was a kid for my 11th birthday, I got a laminator for my birthday so I could like laminate all my drawings because they were so important. Laminating is the most fun. I work in a school and like I love laminating stuff and the kids go wild when you laminate their stuff because it, it means like your work's important. Exactly, yeah. I love doing it at work. I love doing it. It's, it's really present. fun. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Leah? How do you feel about laminating? I would like to laminate stuff um, but I don't. <laughs> I well, we should laminate we some get, stuff. We can make we, a laminating club, guys. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's to go to. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like for me, scanning is like once it's digital, I'm okay. So there's like, <laughs> fine, okay, you're not involved because paper copies is, is clutter. Mm. So you feel like art is an effective means for kind of getting people behind you and you reaching people that you maybe wouldn't otherwise? I think it's also a way of not going crazy. Mm. Um, I think that sometimes I will see a piece of artwork that is kind of speaking to an experience that I've been through and I'll be like, oh, I'm not crazy. This is clearly somebody else feels the same as me and, you know, and in, 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 in the same sense, um, I try to make artwork that kind of, that, that you know, I guess I have to say that my, my work, uh, publications like White Boys and the alphabetical anthology of white liberal proverbs are kind of made in a way to address the white gaze in terms of like uh, artwork is usually, if you're white and you're middle class, you're kind of often brought up to feel like artwork is there for you to consume it's for you if yeah. you're working class if you're black if you're asian a lot of the time art seems like something that's not really for you it's a bit inaccessible so i guess i do make work that is kind of in a way utilizing that process to kind of problematize the way that uh white liberals might think and then publications like fear brown queers um which is an archiving project um illustrating queer people of color and um and other people of color um, who don't identify necessarily as queer, but are talking about things that are kind of thematically coherent to the publication. Um, that's more talking to other people like myself. And, and also people of colour, queer people get a laugh out of um, white boys and the alphabetical anthology. So um, and maybe I should, I can uh, talk about that a bit, a bit more. Or maybe even read, yes. read, read from one of them. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Um, great. I had a question based on, I was looking at your website and you've got some of your portfolio um, up on there. And I was really interested to see that one of the influences you list is African theology. And I was wondering whether you could elaborate on that a bit. And is that kind of to do with your heritage as well? Um, well, I think what happened is that being an illustrator, you know, I studied sculpture at university in Brighton, um, but I, I, I was very much into illustration and looking for things to illustrate. I wanted to illustrate um, kind of gods and goddesses from Africa mm. and started kind of doing these illustrations. And then I realised as I was doing them that I was replicating the same process of exotification, of, t of kind of um, stereotypes. And the more I did, the more I didn't want to do that. So the more I started investigating and realised, well, I, I shouldn't be as a Westerner as someone brought up in the West be making artwork about African deities and, and, and uh, pantheons and religions. I, should, I shouldn't be doing that. I have no right. So I, I began to reach out to people who, <clears throat> who were from Africa, from Nigeria and from other parts of the diaspora. And being a performance artist or, or a poet, in fact, how I started being a performance artist was through telling 
folktales from West Africa and eventually uh, met an, a fantastic musician, Daniela Diamas, who is the leader of the London Lukumi Choir. Um, so we started doing performances together where the choir would sing a song and then I would tell the story um, of that deity, of that West African deity. So there's a religion called... There's a religion, a culture, and a language called Yoruba, which mm -hmm. is from Nigeria. Um, and it is in Yoruba, as a people, are the widest spread African ethnic, ethnic group. They're every single place where enslaved Africans were taken to, um, Yoruba blossomed into Santeria in Cuba, into Obia in Jamaica, into Voodoo in Haiti, into Umbanda and Quimbanda in Brazil, into Shango in Trinidad and I'm really interested. My 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 father is from Trinidad, but he's really irrelevant to me. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I'm really interested more in the ways that these this dance, this music, these stories, this really powerful um, theology, which is very like useful to me at, in terms of making sense of the world, um, has survived in the face of literal, um, you know, I mean, the worst conditions, literally being thrown in a ship, chained to someone who doesn't speak the language, as you told you, you can't worship your savage African religions, mm -hmm. you are a Christian now, forget your culture. And yet we still have the Orisha, we still have Yoruba, we still have all these beautiful cultures. And uh, yeah, I and they very much um, inspire my own spiritual practice, I suppose, music, um, art and stuff. On that note, I'm also talking about the poetry that you've made. And previously you were talking about your A to Z. If you want to, if you'd like to perform that now, would that be sure. okay? Sure. Okay. Do you feel like you've got it in your brain box? To I come forgot out? to bring it, but I'm going to try and. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> Do you want to tell us a bit about maybe what inspired you to write it? Um, it was a hashtag. Down? I wish I could remember the girl's name. Um, I just saw it. There was this like hashtag white proverbs about like six months ago, um, and it was um, it was on on Facebook. I, I'm kind of giving away the magic of it. I like to okay. perform it and say that I'm an anthropology student from uh, SOAS and I've been working with a politicised ethnic group and I've been learning about their culture and their ways and I'm really <laughs> excited to share their culture and their ways with you. I've put together into an alphabetical anthology of proverbs. It's white liberals and it's nice to do it in front of a all-white crowd usually at Poetry Nights. <laughs> well, you've but, got that bit in the studio. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so A is for all lives matter, although all lives are not treated as collateral when we're harshening our stance on immigration. And actually, all lives aren't routinely targeted and abused in racist deportations. And again, all lives don't make up 14% of UK and 40% of US prison populations, which is alarming considering the matter of all lives now lived out in mass incarceration. B is for be the change you want to see in society. Straighten your back, be the new black and be access to affordable education. Both eyes on the prize as you be the end of public sector privatisation. Be positive and be billions and billions of pounds worth of reparations for Caribbean nations burdened with buggery laws born from British subjugation. C is for, um, can I touch your hair? Can I make you cringingly aware of how curious I find you? Can I carelessly centre my whiteness in this critique of your current cultural climate? Can I take that little bit of your traditional dress can i take that little bit of your music can i take that little bit of your culture and can i turn it into a commodity can i collect objects of your resistance to curate as ornate oddities d is for devil's advocate don't worry darling i'm just playing devil's advocate don't get defensive my opinions are purely theoretical there's no need to take it personally because yeah, damn, I should have brought it with me. You can actually buy the alphabetical anthology <laughs> off my Etsy page. And it's not just... A, That's a great sales technique. It's not even just Leave poetry, us in the middle it's of also illustrations. So, you know, 
if you want to hear the full uh, version without memory blots, you should listen to it. Um, you should buy it. Uh, <laughs> e, e is for um, um, even Africans had slaves. E is also for erroneously equating an epoch of immensely diverse and equally complicated pre-colonial power structures with the justification for genocide, evading the issues that still preside era upon era of communities disenfranchised, economies intentionally destabilised. E is for an enslavement that evolved instead of ending, an enslavement that will continue as long as Europe is still pretending to be an example of morality and of human rights when all that we enjoy here is the profits from wars kept out of sight. F is for uh, freedom of speech. Thankfully not freedoms to preach hate unless flavoured with the familiar taste of immigration and austerity. The hate we use a political lexicon to obfuscate or the more obvious hate that the far right will feed you. A hate woven between the lines of our fair and balanced media. I don't know if I should do the whole thing. I think it might take up a really long time. Also, yeah, well, the book is so great. <laughs> I mean, it's really pretty. It's, okay. it's got some really beautiful illustrations in it. Can I also add it. that so spoken word usually really gets on my work, on my nerves because of pronunciation and you didn't do the thing where they at the beginning of words and i just loved your delivery of that so thank you what do you mean <laughs> thank you for not upsetting her with <laughs> <your poor laughs> delivery. i was like oh no, oh no and it was wonderful the spoken word where they um uh, and then the yeah oh god i can't stand so yeah. i know it sounds so terrible i shouldn't say that yeah. i mean there's some fantastic poets out there so many amazing serena reynolds keith jarrett um jay bernard um, PJ Samuels, um, Sh- Shana, uh, so many great poets who are slaying it so hard. Uh, Abondance, who's only 17 and she has a publication out which you can buy, which I can't remember what it's called, but um, hopefully I'll Google it while you're playing a song, maybe. With um, your hatred of poetry, what made you then want to put this white, pro- white liberal proverbs into poetry form? Why did I want to put it into poetry form? I guess it's kind of like a bit like a game. Um, it's like uh, It's like fun. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just so many different microaggressions that things that people say to you and you hear them over and over and over again, like the one about even Africans had slaves. I just hear that so much. Um, it's just like you really are misunderstanding the magnitude of the transatlantic slave trade. Also, you know, you obviously know nothing about pre-colonial African um, societies and what their definition of a slave was compared to what we what what happened with, with you know, the, the slavery that built the British Empire. Um, with With, like, your poetry and your art have you ever tried going straight to the political issues through like demos or petitions or something like that I did but I think I got bored quite quickly and I really don't like that protests in this country seems to have designated areas where you're allowed to protest it seems a bit ridiculous Um, and I guess in Yoruba and in in all these religions that were born from 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 that culture um, there is a deity there is not a deity it's an English word there's an Orisha called Oshun and she is your ability to seduce she is your ability to see beauty in yourself and beauty in others she is the taste of honey on your lips she is rivers she is streams she is your ability to find your way around obstacles with ease um, and she is a power just like all of the other Orisha that we can tap into whenever we we, we, we can um, that has been intentionally erased from our minds by colonialism and yeah Oshun is, is, is a beautiful energy that it just makes a lot of sense. Why would you try and force your opinion down someone's throat when you can lace it in honey, you know? I um, like the idea of using humour as a way to kind of almost lure people into a false sense of security and then go in with something that's actually very cutting and very political. You know, it's a way of uniting people, laughing, mm-hmm. but making a point. And as you say, it doesn't kind of, you know, alienate people 
in the same way that maybe sometimes a protest can, like you're yeah. bringing people to you. 100%. I mean, the song you played earlier, Bigots, is lyrics from the publication White Boys. And actually, humour has been used to devalue and to, to, to demonise everybody from black people to Asian people to women to disabled people to Irish migrants, you know, although uh, not anymore really at all. So, But humour is used to, it, it's still used in loads of ways, you know, I mean, the whole just sweet Charlie nonsense, like having to like tone <laughs> my language there, but the whole kind of um, that, that paper that is, is incredibly racist, using like um, humour to kind of dehumanise people. I think it's, it's, it's about time that I find it really empowering to use humour to clap back at white supremacy and colonialism and patriarchy and all these, these processes because um, it's a powerful tool you know, and satire. If if you can make a long-lasting satire of someone, it might actually outlive them. So that's quite a powerful thing to do. I think it's also quite clever because I feel like people will be listening to you deliver that and will kind of be laughing along because it is, like, funny the way you've delivered it, but then kind of start to think, well, hold on, actually, I'm laughing at myself because I do some of those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, well, yeah, we I don't know. Do. How we far do. down yeah, yeah. the alphabet can you and get like, before you Exactly, a little competition. But, you know, it's kind of funny to... Like, without realising it, you're kind of saying, you're doing this, but you're making people kind of laugh at themselves. But do you think that kind of your aim is, especially with something like that, is it to educate people or is it to kind of, like, find solidarity? Like, do you feel like it's a du- like your duty to educate people or do you just feel like you're exposing something? Or I think it? it's all of our duties to, to be critical of ourselves and of others in terms of, like, trying to become um, less horrible to each other um and i think yeah the, the alphabetical anthology of white liberal proverbs is definitely you know we're all capable of um of acting out these microaggressions on some level or another and definitely as i mentioned you know when i first started making work it was intensely problematic it was really you know you know using these tropes of 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 of, of black sexuality of, you know, of 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 blackness that that you see in every hollywood film um, because that's what we're fed all the time, and it's that's the process of decolonizing is kind of like for me is is trying to take these apart, and yeah, humor can be a process, but I don't think it's it's not trying to shame anyone, and in fact, I think there's a real thing of like guilt of of specific white guilt. Like I think I read something the other day that guilt is actually complacency. It's like you shouldn't feel guilty; you should just change your actions. Like you know, we we're, we're all capable of thinking terrible things, especially in a world that drills into our head every day that women are inferior, that um. Uh, black people are more likely to rob you. That you know all these uh, these um, stereotypes that we see that you know constantly paraded in in the in the media. It's of course we're going to ingest some of that, and we're going to need to have a little at least reminder once in a while. To I mean, really every day, uh, we should be reminding ourselves to kind of challenge those things. So I think yeah, it, I definitely it's 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 reminding myself, it's reminding other people. I'm part of a collective called Sorry You Feel Uncomfortable and I think the reason why we came to that conclusion with, of the title is because all of, um, all of our work in some way or another makes people feel uncomfortable and also ultimately makes us feel uncomfortable because we have to have these conversations and we shouldn't even have to have them, but we do. And do you actually have an event coming up with the, we that We do. Collective? Sorry Feel Uncomfortable are actually doing a little bit of a takeover at the Welcome Collection on Friday at 7. Um, so there was a guy called Henry Welcome who like to go and collect 
things from other cultures and we are going into his collection doing something called Unhealthy Obsessions which is going to be a game where you can win prizes you can win a copy of my alphabetical anthology of white liberal proverbs you can win other fantastic prizes and it's all free come and play a game yeah it'll be fun don't want to say too much about it maybe on that note we should play a final song from you but let's just say thank you again so much for coming on the show it's been great thank to have you, you here thank you so much oh, it's um, been a pleasure yeah it's been lovely um, also I want to remind everyone that we do have our live show in the pub on the 18th of February at the King's Arms so please come to that and um, I think the song is really relevant to what you were just saying about the welcome collection oh, yes. and yeah the general colonial leaving of art follow <laughs> us on Twitter at VLW Radio yes and follow me on Twitter Jacob V. Joyce V for Vincent J-O-Y-C thanks okay ad nauseum is that one Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. 
If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.